0: The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers, and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Hello and welcome inside another edition and another season of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake. Happy to have you back with us once again for another year. Again, this is a podcast about high school football in the Mid Ohio Valley, West Virginia and Ohio both. We're glad to have you here for this third season of our High School Football Podcast. If you haven't already, like us on Facebook, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Chances are pretty good if you found us, you found us because you've liked us on Facebook. We invite you to interact with the polls, ask questions, leave comments. Some of those questions may be taken into consideration for future topics of discussion on the show. We'll need your feedback this season, and here's why. I don't think I have to tell you that a lot has changed in the seven months since we last had this podcast. COVID-19 has seeped into our everyday lives. It's had a big impact on our lives, and it threatens to have a big impact on the season ahead. It may even wipe out the season ahead. Before we tackle this season, before we take a look at where we are right now, I want to tell you what this show will not be and what this show will be right now or will attempt to be right now. Here's what this show will not be. This show will try not to be political. We're not here to talk about why there's a coronavirus, or who is or is not at fault for COVID-19. We'll take on the situation as factually as possible. Occasionally, some of the things I say may conflict with your viewpoints on the situation. That will happen with a lot of things these days, because we live in a world where we can't even agree on the same version of truth and fact, even during a global health emergency. The fact of the matter is there is a global health emergency, and if you've not come around to that fact after five months almost of COVID-19, or at the very least, we'll say four and a half months of COVID-19 in the United States. If you've not come around to the fact that there is a pandemic going on, this probably is not the place for you, because there definitely is one going on. I don't have time for your conspiracy theories. Also, this show will not be coronavirus central. We're not here to talk about the latest outbreaks, but we are here to talk about how they'll affect the topic at hand. High school football. I'm not going to pump numbers out there. I'm not going to pump this rate or that rate out there. We're not going to be talking about the coronavirus per Say, but we will mention it, we'll have to mention it, as far as its impact on the high school football season. So here's what this show will be or will try to be. People wondered at the beginning of coronavirus, what is ESPN going to do without any sports? Well, ESPN has been a gathering place for a lot of things. It's A lot of times they've done better news than the cable news outlets, in my opinion. They've done better conversation about social justice. They've done a lot to make sports relevant and a lot to show you where sports are in our society with coronavirus of virus involved. Most importantly, they function as a safe place for sports fans to gather around a topic we all love. A lot of what they're talking about is classic things, best of lists, and so on and so forth, but this will be a safe place for high school football fans to gather around a topic we love, and we'll discuss what we know. We're not going to try to speculate a bunch. We're not going to throw out, well, what if this school plays this school on this open date they have? No, no. We'll get to the schedules in a minute, but this will be a safe place to gather around a topic we love. As a result, I have decided that this show will continue throughout the footprint of the usual high school football season, even if one isn't played. If we don't have live games to talk about or won't have live games to talk about, we will find classic topics to talk about. We'll talk about great teams. We'll talk about great games, great players from the past, and revisit some of those things. I'm hoping to do more with guests this year than I've done in previous years, and that was something that I'd hoped to do way back before COVID-19 seeped into our lives and ruined so much of what we'd hoped to have out of spring and summer, and may ruin what we hope to have out of fall. This will be a place to share and discuss the latest news, and I mean news, not speculation and and conjecture. Actual facts and actual news that has happened in the world of high school football. And this will be a forum for opinions related to high school football. We're here to talk about high school football. Uh, There'll be some questions where you can weigh in on coronavirus, but again, like I said, if you don't believe that we're in the middle of a global health emergency, that's maybe the very basic thing I'm going to need you to believe for you to enjoy this season. You need to understand that there is something very wrong going on with the world right now, and you don't have to like it. I don't like it either, and I'm not trying to say that you have to accept everything that's being said about it, but at the very least, you have to accept that there is something vitally wrong going on with the world right now, and if you can't get past that, it's going to be tough for you to consume this season, because so much of what we're doing in the world right now is going to be viewed through the lens of coronavirus, and it's going to be that way for a little while, including high school football, whether or not you like it. So there are some truths that we're going to have to tackle before this season can get underway and before we can really move forward from here. You need to remember that when you're getting upset or you're running your mouth to somebody, or you're posting on Facebook about the issue of whether or not high school football, or even all fall sports, should be played. Because again, by the time this hits the air, there'll probably be some bigger changes in the world of college sports. There have already been some schools and some conferences that have said no thanks to playing football in the fall. There have been some high schools and some states that have said no thanks. Uh, Notably, Virginia is said to be looking at three options for fall sports, and none of them involve playing football in the fall. So there's going to be some radical shift going on in our high school sports, but when you're tackling the issue of whether or not they should play, I need you to remember that the people involved are people's kids. This isn't the NFL, this isn't the NBA, this isn't the NHL where we can quarantine people in groups for weeks at a time and play out a season. You know, these are people that go home to mom and dad, they go to school every day, or they take classes online, as will be the case most likely in many areas. These are students first, and we have enough obstacles in place as a society trying to educate our young people during a pandemic. Everything else we get should be considered gravy at this point, point. and I know it really sucks because this is wrecking a lot of things. We're talking about high school football on this podcast, but what about people that were cast in a school play and maybe didn't get to play that part last spring or won't get to play that part this fall? What about marching bands and cheerleaders? Because they're going to see their competition seasons either not at all happen or be greatly reduced, or they're certainly not going to have as big a role, if any role, at high school sporting events this year. How many schools in this area were able to hold a prom, a full-on actual prom for their students this past spring. Graduations were held some places better than others and handled in some places better than others, but not everybody got what you would consider a full-on rifle graduation. So we've lost a lot of things already, and it's not out of the realm that we lose a high school football season or a fall sports season. So keep that in mind. You know, we have enough obstacles in place trying to get the basic things that we need to get as a society, educating our young people, being one of them. Anything else we get beyond that uh, should be considered an extra at this point until we're through this pandemic whatever that takes we're hoping for miracles at this point a vaccine a cure treatments all of those things could bring us to an end of covid 19. another truth that we need to tackle we may not get a full season once we get through the regular season the state the world may be at a place with coronavirus where we have to go into some lockdowns again and that prohibits people from traveling even to play the county next door or the team next door gatherings of any size may be something we're not able to do as the calendar winds on in november and into december we just don't know. We may not get a full season. We may not get anything that takes on the semblance of a season. During the 1918 influenza pandemic, Parkersburg High School was recognized as a state champion. They played three games that year. They won three and zero and they were recognized as state champions. It's not out of the realm that our high school football season doesn't take on a look like that. With COVID, there are no sacred cows. COVID doesn't care about traditions or the things that we hold dear. And we've already learned that in a number of really difficult ways because of things we've had called off this year. So any season we get is going to be a bonus. And there was a great piece in the Charleston paper written by Derek Redd of the weekend that touched on that. And I recommend you take a look at that if you want some more thoughts on that. It will take a lot of discipline to self-police the well-being of teams and players, sometimes at the expense of on-field results. What I mean by that is if somebody feels sick, you're going to need to rely on a 16 or 17-year-old or their parents to see if things don't feel right or don't feel normal. In order to have a high school football season, we will be asking young people to be more in touch with how they feel physically than probably we've ever asked them or that they've ever felt at any time in their lives. This isn't just fake sick to get out of school or are you sick enough to get out of school. This is going to be do you have a virus for which we don't have a cure right now? Uh, So we're going to need individuals to take care of themselves and to be vigilant about the way they feel. But we're also going to need responsible coaches and leadership to police the well-being of teams. And that means maybe if a star player or a player has been exposed to the virus, you might have to lose a game. You might have to cancel the game. You might have to pull a player from a game that adversely affects your team in that situation. So on-field results may be the price to pay for some of the things we're going to have to do this season if there is to be one. I'm not even going to get into the obstacles, the full list of obstacles that stand in the way of there being a 2020 fall sports season, but that will be the biggest one. We're not going to have widespread testing. We don't have inexpensive widespread testing yet here as we sit in late July. The availability of that is not what it should be, even in the biggest cities, much less rural areas. So we're really just kind of going on how do people feel, and and a lot of self-policing in that regard. To have a season, everyone in Involved, parents, coaches, players, administrators will have to be extra accountable for their actions or their whereabouts this season. That means maybe saying no to being around people or certain people that you know have been exposed to some places. Maybe saying no to that trip that you'd want to take. There might be times where some of us or some people involved have to self-isolate in order to have football. There's a lot of question marks and a lot of hurdles. We haven't even gotten into ticketing yet. There may be schools that don't let many people into games. It might be family members, and that's about it. So as a radio broadcaster, we could be more important this year because we could be the conduit the people are looking for, or it's possible we get shut out entirely. I know one of the things that WVSSAC has pitched as a way to get revenue back is pay-per-view. And where does that leave the local radio crews? I have no idea. None of us really has any idea what this season will look like, what we're going to be able to do this season, what our roles will be, how we're going to cover a season. That's something that I've thought about for weeks and even months now. I've got some general ideas. But again, we're all waiting for further guidelines to come down. So again, remember, these are people's kids. Be patient with that fact. If your favorite high school team doesn't play or doesn't play a lot this year, remember, we're trying to keep kids safe and educate kids first and foremost. So we may not play a full season, and, 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 and to do any kind of a season, people are going to have to self-report if they're not feeling well. They're going to have to be accountable. But this season will unquestionably look unlike anything else we've ever seen. If we're able to get one, it could be weird, it could be silly, it could be wild. There will definitely be a lot to talk about uh, if it happens. Let's hope the things that need to happen, happen in order for us to get there. And I'm not even going to purport to know what those things are, but again, those are some truths to tackle before we even get to where we can have a 2020 campaign. Let's take a look at some news now. What's new this season? Well, there's a new coach at Williamstown. Chris Beck uh, has been named the head coach after Terry Smith's retirement at the end of last season. Beck is a 2002 Williamstown graduate. he had been an assistant there since 2008, and he was approved in January by the Wood County Board of Education as Williamstown's new head coach. So because he was approved in January, that gave him maybe a month and a half. It was, it was mid-January, so maybe a month and a half that he could talk to people, that he could meet with kids, that he could get students in, in any kind of a weight program so there was a little bit of time for Beck to do the things that you would want or hope a new football coach would do or a new football coach would hope to do. I don't think we need to remind you about the size of the shoes that Beck is looking to fill this year. Terry Smith, a legend at Williamstown, a great coach, great leader, molder of people in that community. He will be missed. After multiple state championships, multiple appearances in the state championship game, it's going to be weird to see somebody on the sidelines that's not Terry Smith, but Chris Beck He is the next to carry the torch at Williamstown. Lance Beneger is out of Parkersburg Catholic. Clint Fought is the new Parkersburg Catholic head football coach. He was hired a couple weeks after Beck was at Williamstown, introduced at the beginning of February. Beniger's contract was not renewed after a three year run. And we talked about this toward the end of last year's show because Beniger's contract wasn't renewed in time for our season finale last year. We knew about that. We were able to report that on the program. Uh, in his first year, Beniger notably went 0-8 because, I mean, it was just a star crossed season. They didn't have a lot of numbers. The IEI fire cost them a couple games they had a forfeit one things didn't go well but maybe in the story of the state they bounced back and they made the playoffs in year two under vinegar and in year three they put together a six and four record that kept them just outside of that playoff 16 so they didn't miss by much but a guy who had two winning seasons out of three and things were looking good he was or is losing rather that first wave of players that he had come through and we would have seen whether or not Binninger was able to build and recruit and, and keep that going there, who knows at this point. That task has fallen on Clint Fott and he had about a month that he really was able to be that head coach before COVID hit. So I'm not sure if there was a weight program. I'm not sure if he was able to talk to a lot of people about Parkersburg Catholic football, getting them involved, doing anything about the numbers, but not the ideal situation for either Beck or Fought. If you've been the head coach of this school for less than seven months for either one of those two men and much of that has been eaten up by COVID-19, even the workouts that you've had are not really football related. A lot of what's been done, and maybe people don't realize this, a lot of what's been done in the summer coaching period has been weight training and conditioning. That's really about all they've been able to do. Can't really touch a football, can't put football pads on right now. So really, as far as football goes, there's not been a whole lot of time and ability to implement new things. So for a new coach that puts both of those guys, Clint Fought at Parkersburg Catholic and Chris at williamstown behind the eight ball a little bit. COVID has precipitated some skills. Schedule changes. Bernie Dolan, the director of the WVSSAC, made a big announcement last week about the schedule. August 3rd was supposed to be the day the practices started. That has been moved back two weeks to August 17th for the fall sports season. High school football games can start no earlier than Thursday, September 3rd. That's the Thursday of the weekend before school is allowed to open. Governor Jim Justice announced that schools will not be opening before September 8th this year in West Virginia. That's a big change from where a lot of schools had been. There are a lot of schools that would be poised to open here in just a few weeks. That's not going to happen now. There will be no schools opening early to mid-August like before. September 8th is the earliest that can happen. So September 3rd is the first day high school football games can be played. And the effect on the actual schedule itself means that everyone's week one game has been ruled null and void. Can't happen right now because that game on the last week of August cannot happen because the season cannot start any earlier than September 3rd. There were some schools that probably don't have a lot of change to their schedule because they might have had a bye week in their opener. But several local schools They've used those bye weeks to fill out their schedule and round it back to 10 games. So as we sit right now, with no further changes to the overall schedule, teams can play 10 weeks of football. There will be 10 weeks of high school football this year in West Virginia. Ohio, that's no different from where they've normally been. They normally play 10 games in 10 weeks. West Virginia, it's 10 games in 11 weeks. The bye week is now not going to happen unless somebody can find an opponent to fill in that 10th game or unless we get an impromptu bye week or two when a team has to pull out at the last minute. Some of the changes that have been made, to schedules that we know about now, Ritchie County and Magnolia uh, turn their mutual week two bye week into a matchup, a good matchup, a couple local teams that probably need to look toward playing one another, if not actually playing one another, uh, that'll happen September 4th at Alumni Field in New Martinsville, as the previously open week in week two is now the season opener for Ritchie and Magnolia. St. Mary's will visit Wayne the following week on September 11th in what was to be St. Mary's bye week, and so they will, as of right now, open their schedule against Belbury, Ohio, and then they'll head to Wayne. That's a program that is led by Tom Harmon. They've won state titles there. They've competed for state titles. They've fallen off in recent years. They're not the juggernaut. They were still a solid class AA football team. Those who know from that part of the state tell me it's no coincidence that Wayne fell off in football the same time Spring Valley got good in class AAA and started competing more in AAA. Those two schools are not far off from one another geographically. and I think you can connect the dots. You can pretty much play anywhere you want and transfer anywhere you want in West Virginia without a lot of consequence. So... You know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that as one program rose and the other fell. Those two items are related. But either way, St. Mary's and Wayne, September 11th. Williamstown and Summers County will meet October 9th this year. Williamstown making the trip to Summers County. Summers County, a good physical Class AA football team, should be a good test for Williamstown. Parkersburg South and Capital, maybe two of the luckier schools involved. The season opener in late August for those two schools has been moved to October 9th, which happened to be the bye week for both of those schools. They had a mutual bye week, and they're able to make an easy change. I've heard that happen a couple times, or maybe there was a three-way shift to accommodate for two schools just shifting a game later in the year. That works out for both of those. And this one just happened this week. Hedgesville will now visit Parkersburg October 16th, the PHS was scheduled to open up the season against Huntington. That one will not happen. Instead, the Big Reds have picked up Hedgesville. We talk about schedules a lot in the preseason. We're going to hold off on delving into schedules for some time on this program this year because, as we said earlier, quite frankly, we don't know what schedules will look like. It's not out of the realm that these schedules change even further between now and a start to a season. So we will wait a little while before we get into the schedules and into the nitty-gritty for any of these teams in the area this season. There are some new protocols in place. Speaking of WVSSAC Executive Director Bernie Dolan, uh, he announced these protocols along with some changes to the schedule dates earlier this month. The sidelines have been extended by 10 yards each way. Usually the coaching boxes go from the 25-yard line to the 25-yard line. Those are now the 15-yard line to the 15-yard line. That allows people to spread out a little bit more. There'll be no refillable water bottles this year. Everybody will consume water in disposable bottles. Timeouts and end-of-quarter breaks will be longer this year. Cheerleaders and bands will not be traveling to perform on the sidelines or during halftime for road games this year. That is something that for a lot of the band and cheerleader parents, they may welcome that change, but there's a lot of those people and their parents that enjoy participating in those things, and, and they will not be traveling to road games. They hate to see it, but it's a move that's meant to reduce the amount of people you're cramming on school buses to get to these events. It's been recommended, but not required, that maybe instead of going back into locker rooms at halftime, teams meet in end zones. They meet and discuss their first half in one of the end zones or find someplace outside. And that's meant to limit the amount of time that high school football players are inside, uh, in closed quarters with one another. They may or may not be wearing face protection. I know in baseball, a lot of people are wearing neck gaiters during games as a way to try to cover your face. That's been suggested for college football players, I know. In high school, not everybody's going to be equipped with the the neck gaiter to pull up and if you're not familiar the neck gator is just a pull up face cover so keeping people outside as much as possible is going to be at a premium is going to be a priority this football season it's been also recommended that players show up and schools show up with their players at least partially dressed to reduce the amount of time pre-game and probably post-game that players are in locker rooms for that same reason so again a lot of changes those are the big ones as far as COVID goes we'll keep an eye on the schedules and we'll let you know if anything else changes before week one stay connected with us on Facebook, like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. One of the things I like to finish a season with is the top five storylines coming into the following season. A lot of times, especially in college sports where they have polls, you'll see a way too early top 25 that's usually released the week after the national title game. In football especially, uh, you see it in basketball too, where you take a look at the teams that had momentum at the end of one season, the teams that have a lot coming back in recruiting, and just the situations where it seems that they are poised for success the following year, based on what you know then. And of course, it's called a way too early Top 25, because there's a lot that changes between now and then. At that level, coaches come and go, players get hurt, well they get hurt at any level, but they get hurt and that changes the team's fortunes perhaps, moves are made, scandals happen, players transfer, sometimes you get to the next preseason, and the things that you thought were going to be important at the end of last season suddenly are not so important when you look at it. I wanted to take a look at the top five storylines coming into the season. Not so much from where they are now, but these are the ones from the last episode of last year, and we'll see how many of those are still relevant. I'll do another top five when we get closer to this season. These are in no particular order. The first one was Bryson Singer's progression at PHS. He was just a sophomore, basically was the primary quarterback at Parkersburg High School, and I think that that might be how things go going forward for PHS. Singer seems to be poised to have a nice run there is only a junior this season. They had Michael Owen at quarterback at times last year, and he brought some different things to that offense. He's a very good football player, very smart football player. He may be better suited elsewhere, depending on what Coach Mike Bias wants to do. But Bryson Singer has a good arm, runs well, and could very well put the clamps on that position with a strong showing this season. Uh, I think his progression is going to be a big story uh, at uh, Parkersburg High School. Frontier and River, looking at the Ohio side, that is poised to be a strong rivalry this season. It's always a strong rivalry, but particularly strong this year because both teams were expecting to be good. We'll see if their participation is what we thought it would be. Which leads me to the third one, and maybe the biggest one that's even bigger now than we thought it was going to be at the end of last season, is participation. That'll be huge because players and coaches have not had the time the access to recruit the hallways. Don't discount all that peer pressure. When you're looking to build numbers for your program, don't discount the peer pressure that uh, comes from a young man having his friends, hey, you gonna come out? Hey, you gonna come out? Hey, you gonna come out? Hey, you should come lift weights with us. Hey, you should come hang out with us and see what it's all about. People who haven't gone out for football get that from their friends, but they also get that from coaches that, hey, you could really help us out this year. I'm sure there's a lot more convincing than I'm doing right now, but uh, either way, that's a big piece in making sure your team goes from good to great. We saw that at Parkersburg South last year. Uh, We saw players that had made names for themselves in other sports come out and play football for the first time and be star players on that team. Jeffrey Tucker is a great example of this. was a defensive end last year, did not play football the previous year, and is now going to Glenville State to play football. He was a basketball player before that. Now he's going to go to Glenville State and play football because uh, he came out his senior year. But South also got Braxton Amos out, who's a Division One wrestler who'll be wrestling at Wisconsin this year. They were to get Landon Francisco and Jake Hogsett, who had played primarily basketball up until then, Landon Ransom track. And I know there are some others that I'm missing in there too. But when you get the school's best athletes, even at a big school, because we think that multi sport athletes sometimes are a thing of small schools, but no, you see that in big schools as well. In fact, you probably need to see that there. No matter the size of the school, your programs are successful programs because your best athletes are coming out for them or coming out for multiple sports. And it really hadn't been seen at that level of Parkersburg South until last year. That time that you're not getting to recruit the halls, that time that you're not getting to tell your players, hey, you know, if you've got friends that need to come out, put a bug in their ear. You've lost that in-person access. You've lost that time. How much of an impact does that play? But the other big impact as far as participation goes is how much of an impact does COVID play? Will parents be okay letting their kids play high school sports? And if you're a parent and you're listening, you might be thinking, well, you know, of course I'll let my kid play, I can't tell them no. But there are parents right now that are having those decisions, not just over whether or not to have their child play high school sports or participate in activities, but to go to school in person. There are some counties in this area where you will be able to do your classes online and virtually, and you won't have to set foot inside a building much, if at all, this year. Many of those parents who make the decision or help make the decision about that will also have an impact on whether or not the young man or the young woman plays whatever sport they desire to play this fall. We'll see how that goes. That's another big, big story we'll be following. What is the next step for some of these successful programs? St. Mary's, they've got building pieces after a return to the playoffs last year. Can they build on that? Parkersburg South, can they do the same? Although... I would think the participation, the lack of time to recruit the Hallways really hurts a program like South because that's what they did so well last year. Ritchie County developing a quarterback going from a freshman to a sophomore in Ethan Hot. Tyler Consolidated, they lost a lot of talent, including Mark Rucker, who got a walk-on look at WVU. Where do they go next year? Parkersburg Catholic, also a team that needs a reload after losing pretty much their entire roster from last year. A big story, if we even have a season, will be where do those programs go. And finally, coaching situations. There's a lot of new faces involved, notably Chris back at williamstown Clint fought a Parkersburg Catholic. What's next for some of these returning guys? Uh, how does Nathan Tanner follow up season one? What do Jody Mote and Rick Hot do to get their teams back into the playoffs? What do the new faces do? What do the returners do to help their situation. So those are the top five storylines I had coming out of last season that I thought would be the storylines coming into this season. Of course, nobody could have predicted COVID at that point. For the most part, those are still valid storylines. I don't know if they're the top five storylines. We'll get there in an episode that will probably air next month if things continue to trend the way they're doing and we end up having a season. Time now to take our first look of the mailbag here in this 2020 season. This item is one that didn't quite come into my public mailbag, or one that uh, was sent for the express purpose of being on the show, but it's one that I'm going to use on the show because I like the question. It comes from my friend Aaron Statler, uh, who may or may not be listening to the podcast. If you're listening and surprised to hear this come up, well... Thank you for the conversation. It's, it's a great topic, and I enjoyed having the conversation with you the other day. And it's one that I thought, you know what, needs to be tackled on this podcast. Aaron writes, St. Mary's football struggled before Jody Moat. What do you think it was about him to turn the program around so quick? And that's a good question and it's one that I thought about a lot over the years. And the formula is one that's fairly simple, but it's one that a lot of people have not been able to get right over the years. I think the biggest thing that Jody did was reignite a passion for St. Mary's High School football that hadn't existed in about a decade. Jody came on in 2002, was hired very, very late in the process. I want to say it was maybe the Friday before the practices started on the following Monday. Now, growing up in St. Mary's, I'm a graduate of the class of 2003, so Jody was hired going into my senior year but we'd known of Jody Moat. He was a student teacher in middle school when I was there. He was from St. Mary's. The adults knew him. People that were in education and really in the community knew him, knew his family. His father, Gale, was a head coach at St. Mary's in the late 70s and early 80s, so they were a known family. He was a known commodity. People knew that he was back in St. Mary's, and I think once he got back in St. Mary's, got a job, and looked like he was going to set roots down in the community, I think there was just an inevitability that you just knew Jody Moat was going to be the head coach of the St. Mary's Blue Devils someday. You didn't know when it was going to be, but someday. And that was kind of the pervasive thought, for me at least, when I was in high school. Maybe everyone didn't think that, but you have to look at this guy on his face and think, okay, people rally around him. He's a young guy. He's enthusiastic. Others have not been able to succeed where uh, he was able to eventually build a program. Why not turn to this guy? It's a natural fit. His father was a coach there. He played there. And he has that passion. So. Why not give him a chance at some point? Finally, the program was handed to him in August of 2002. In the prior decade, St. Mary's football had not had a lot to write home about. The Blue Devils went to the Class A semifinals in 1994, fell short in overtime at a loss to Valley Wetzel. goes to show you how long it's been that Valley Wetzel was a team that had a run. The Lumberjacks were pretty good for a while there in the 90s, but they lost to Valley, St. Mary's did, and after that, just were not able to get it going again. Steve Dean was the head coach at the time, uh, left two games into the following season. After that, the program was not able to find solid footing. Dave Chapman was there for a few years, did not find the chemistry needed to draw the players out, so steadily numbers went down, and steadily the results just weren't there. That schedule was a tough schedule. St. Mary's played a tough schedule, and they played a lot of bigger schools, and as a result of that, it made it tough for the players you were getting out. But on top of that, when you're playing a tough schedule, coming off of a tough season where you're getting your heads beat in a little bit and you project to do that again With the schedule you've got That makes it difficult to draw new players To get new players out So by the time we got around To the late 90s, early 2000s Dave Chapman had a turn uh, Ran from about the mid-90s To my freshman year, 1999 He left Vince Elder had two years And Vince Elder was a star player at Frontier uh, Was in the system coaching middle school football He was an assistant coach for the middle school team In Pleasance County He had a couple years And they weren't bad They had good talent And they played hard And I don't think Vince Elder has given enough credit for what he did for St. Mary's football because they were good teams. They just played an impossible schedule and he didn't have or didn't take the time to turn things around uh, at St. Mary's. So he was there two years. One of those years, I believe they started 0-5 with about a roster that had 25 players, a lot of first-time players on that roster, and they were losing to good teams and losing close to good teams with a small roster. I want to say the Charleston paper wrote about them one year and called them the best 0-5 team in the state. So I know moral victory aren't victories, but again, the program had talent and they uh, had some pride about themselves for a team that hadn't really been to the playoffs in a decade. So enter Jody Mote. What he did was he got participation out of players. He got the numbers up, and he relit the fires in the community that needed to be relit to encourage the boosters and support. People in St. Mary's began to take pride in St. Mary's football once again. He got the kind of investment out of the community needed to build the program to be a perennial winner. And maybe most of all, people believed in him. Jody's a man of his word. People wanted him to succeed. He was a Saint mary's guy school leaders knew that he wasn't going to use that saint mary's job though he could have probably at a time to get the jobs at phs or south and he didn't have any ambitions at the college level he wanted to win in saint mary's so because of that jody was able to sell himself Engender that belief in himself, and that bought him the time and the patience that it took to get it done. One of the things that I had to remind Aaron about when we were talking about this, Jody started in fall of 2002. His first playoff season was in 2005, so a lot of his first players did not taste the success of the Blue Devil teams of later years. It's kind of like the people that built Coach K's program at Duke. Those players did not get to enjoy the fruits of that success uh, because they happened for other players. So the first playoff season for St. Mary's under Jody Mote came in 2005, the first Super Six in 2013, that triple overtime loss to Williamstown in the state title game in the undefeated season, and then finally a state title in 2016. That's 14 years after Jody took that job. Uh, Not every community would have believed in a coach the way St. Mary's believed in Jody Moat. They saw what he was doing, and he'd had success in the decade prior to that first state title, but they just were not able to get over the hump, and they did it in 2016 and kind of cemented himself in St. Mary's Football Law it will always be mentioned. There'll be people that mention Jody Moat decades from now, as long as St. Mary's High School is playing football and still around, uh, just because of what he was able to do there by winning a state title. But he reignited the passion in the players, in the community. They believed in him because they knew who he was. He was the right person at the right time. Anyone that knew him and knows him knows that he's a man of his word. Because of that, he was able to buy some time. People were patient with him. But another thing that people might forget is that the time was right for St. Mary's. St. Mary's in 2000. went down from being a Class AA team to a Class A team. The last season that St. Mary's played without Jody as their head coach, 2001, the Blue Devils were a Class AA school. St. Mary's High School was a Class AA school. So they went down to Class A. As such, the schedule got easier because for a while in the late 90s, St. Mary's was playing Marietta. They were playing Tulsa. They were making long trips. They were playing bigger schools, and it was a bit of a grueling schedule at a time. Ritchie County was just ending their run of success in the 90s under Kenny Wright. They were still a perennial force to be reckoned with. Frontier was still on St. Mary's schedule, and they were playing good football at the time, so for a schedule that had those two games back-to-back, that wasn't the easiest for St. Mary's. Of course, things shifted at that St. Mary's-Ritchie County rivalry. Ritchie County fell on some hard times. St. Mary's rose to the top, and, and it's been kind of that way ever since, but until now, when Ritchie County's become competitive again in the last decade. So St. Mary's was poised to make a move because of their condition. The schedule got easier. They dropped down to Class A. It was the right time. Jody was the right man at the right time, and it's important to talk about because uh, look at the situation that Chris Beck steps into. He doesn't have to build something that hasn't been there. Williamstown has been a perennial playoff team over the last several years, but he has to keep those fires burning within the, the players, the young people that community, within the boosters, within the sponsors, people that support that program. So he would do well to look at the blueprint that Jody Moat laid in a lot of ways just as much as he'd do well to look at Terry Smith's blueprint. Chris is a Williamstown boy. He has the ability to engender that kind of belief in himself, out of his community that Jody Moat was able to do at St. Mary's. And what that will do is it will buy you time. It will allow people to have the patience with you until you get that program where you want it or need it to be. And it could be a scene was transition for Chris Beck. He's hoping it is. If it's not, you'll need that time. So either way, there's a lot of important lessons you can learn from what Jody Mote was able to do at St. Mary's. Either way, great question, Aaron. Uh, Thank you for writing that. Maybe we'll have time to sit down and talk with Jody about this season or about what it is that built his program uh, at the beginning and get his thoughts on some of those issues. If you have questions, feel free to comment and write those and send those in through the Facebook page through Private Messenger. If you know me, get a hold of me in person and, and we'll take this up. You can text, you can email whatever it is, and we'll answer those questions on a future edition of the show. We may need the mailbag feature, especially if there are no games or not a lot of games or depending on where the season goes, the mailbag may need to carry the mail for this podcast this season. Let's take a look at our poll question this week. I posted this earlier this week, so it's been up on the Facebook page for a few days, but we will take it on next week on the program. I'm going to dive right into the deep end with this one. Will there be a fall sports season in West Virginia? And, of course, you know, things may change by the time we get to next week's show. The poll runs through Monday, uh, so you've got a few days left to answer it. And by the time it gets answered and we deal with it, we may have a completely different set of circumstances. Find out what people said about that next week on the program. Vote in the poll. Just click Yes or no. It's a simple yes or no question this week. Again, we'll talk about that on the program next week. We'll read the comments and and break those down as well. Uh, And again, like I said earlier, the goal of this show is to be a safe place to talk about a topic we love. It's not to try to be political, not to try to talk about who's at fault or who's not at fault because of COVID. We're just going to try to take a look at the facts as they lay and play them as such. So that's our poll question for this week. There'll be another one next week, and we'll keep that going throughout the weeks of the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening this week and remind you, you can subscribe and like us on iTunes. Rate us and review us there. Download us on iTunes and you can also find us on SoundCloud also. This podcast comes out every Wednesday and we'll do so throughout the footprint of the 2020 high school football season even if there is no 2020 high school football season. Here's hoping for the best. Thank you for your indulgence. Thank you for joining us and we thank you for your support of the podcast and we'll do it again next week. Until then, I'm Eric Little and thank you for joining us this week on a season premiere of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode and thanks for listening.